Yeah, elevator pitch is one of my terms I, I beat up all the time because I, uh, number one, nobody wants to be talked to in an elevator and number two, <laughs> nobody wants to be pitched. So I've replaced it with the term memory dart, which is an even shorter, more condensed version of an elevator pitch. And the best memory darts use uh, symbols. So I, I talk about in the book, uh, the use of statements, snippets, stories, and symbols. Symbols are the most powerful and the most crystallized. And that is an analogy or a word picture. So if I say king of clarity, I have already basically positioned myself as the top dog. If you are the Mercedes of storytellers, what you're doing is you're borrowing all that information about Mercedes and stealing it. Mm -hmm. High end, exclusive, top quality. So the most powerful thing any company, any brand, any individual can do is to distill down to something that is symbolic that gets right through the brain and into the memory. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, Dan Moyle. Welcome to the Storytellers Network podcast. I'm your host, Dan Moyle, and I'm excited that you are here today to explore stories, storytelling, and clarity with today's guest. Now, before I get to the conversation, uh, just a quick reminder, everything you need to know is at thestorytellersnetwork.com. Wherever you're listening, go to the website, thestorytellersnetwork.com. You can find resources there to help better tell your story. You can find past conversations and, and, and episodes to, to get more inspiration. You can subscribe through the email uh, newsletter to get updates every month. Everything you need to know is at thestorytellersnetwork.com. So today's guest is Steve Woodruff. And I'm so excited to have Steve on the show. He is known as the King of Clarity. He's a consultant and author who has helped so many professionals from solo consultants to Fortune 100 pharmaceutical companies. Uh, he helps them with their, their brand identity, their messaging, their, their DNA. He's best known for his, intense, his intensive Clarity Sessions which in less than a day unlock that company's DNA and market positioning and helps produce crystal clear messaging to generate sales and referrals. It's huge and he's so talented at this. He also helps people find their professional purpose with Clarity Consulting. Uh, he's the author of Clarity Wins, a, a book where he helps people and businesses find clarity. Now in our conversation, you'll hear how Chris Brogan actually is part of how he found that nickname, the King of Clarity, how a Russian oligarch and his French chateau plays a part in Steve's story and so much more. So without any more chatter from me, let's get to Steve's stories. Well, Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking time to talk to the storytellers today and give a little inspiration, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Always like talking to fellow storytellers. So, so that answers my first question. Then you consider yourself a storyteller, yeah? You know, naturally, I'm not. Uh, I am a more of a conceptual guy. I'm an abstract thinker. Uh, I'm a marketer, and uh, I came on to storytelling later as an understanding that this is actually one of the most effective ways for human beings to communicate, right. because we're hardwired for stories. 
And so I came, came into it by just understanding that if I'm going to teach people how to market or sell or promote themselves effectively, storytelling has to be a big part of it. And then I came to really slowly appreciate how powerful it is and begin to practice it more and more myself. And as, as you came down that, that journey, where did you find inspiration to become that better storyteller? Did you look up to certain people and, and certain resources? There are people that do a good job with it. Uh, so I live right nearby uh, Donald Miller here in the Nashville area, and he has the story brand, and, and he, he has a really good angle on creating an entire story around everything. Uh, but I've, I've always admired great communicators, and I have found uh, historically the best storyteller I have ever run into is, is Jesus. He was fabulous at telling parables, telling stories, making illustrations and word pictures. So if anybody is my prime example, it's a 2,000-year-old guy that was a master of wordsmithing. Right? He, yeah, very much so. And it's fun because so – so I have a friend, uh, Dr. Joey Fawcett, who has – uh, positivity today. There's a, a podcast and a book and all this stuff. And, and he uses some of Jesus's parables, but in like a modern way. And it was really interesting. I'm like, man, I know where that comes from. Yes, so, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Master storyteller there for sure. Where, so, so you said you were in marketing, you help people find their, their, their clarity, their message. Uh, but you didn't, I find it interesting that you don't find yourself as a natural storyteller. Right. Like, looking back though, kind of over your career, over your professional life, and even over your personal life, can you see where that storytelling thread was there? Or did you really have to like focus on, I have to make this a thing? I think it was partly there. There were, there were bits of it. There were bits and pieces of it. As I would stand up and present at times or preach or teach, I knew that storytelling was important, but it, it didn't really deeply get into me until I started uh, studying the idea that storytelling really matters. And here's why it matters. Yeah. And what it is, it's a shortcut into the brain and a shortcut into memory receptors. And that made me really appreciate it. But as with most things in life, you sort of evolve into certain convictions. And it took a while <clears throat> for me to figure out how important it was but being involved in sales and marketing, I was always trying to think, how do you communicate better? How do you communicate better? And that naturally led me to storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really, it, you know, you, you learn so much from just sitting around a campfire telling a story. If we can translate that into a purposeful strategic mode, that's important. And as, as someone who considers himself a storyteller all his life, I've found that that career exists, which is awesome for storytellers. So. Anyway. I was doing a workshop yesterday with one of my pharmaceutical clients and, and I have a workshop on clarity of communications. So I've, I've managed to really build this into, into a business. And one of the things I illustrate with is a story. And this is a story about clear communications, about good project management, uh, making sure you follow through. But I could have explained all that in the abstract but what I did is I pulled up a news story from some years ago where a rich Russian oligarch decided he wanted to buy a chateau in France, which he did. Uh, that's a lot of money, but okay. <laughs> and it needed some work. And, and so he contracted with an outfit, a construction outfit, which was Polish, to come in and do this work, which was clean up some stuff with the 
the chateau. And by the way, let's remove some of these old outbuildings. Well, the communication didn't work out real well. And he comes back and the entire chateau was leveled. Uh But the outbuildings were still up. And so, you know, is it important to have clarity of communications? Well, you know what? Yes, it is. We've got to make sure that the point is getting across. And nothing for me tells that better than that story. Because you can picture in your mind this beautiful French chateau wiped out. And in fact, if you want to picture how beautiful it was, just Google Russian oligarch French chateau and you'll find this news article. And it, and it gives me anxiety thinking about it. And so exactly. like, I want clarity, yeah. <laughs> I tell people when I tell that story, it always makes me cringe and laugh at the same time. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your, about your book, Steve. Uh, part of the reason why I was so interested in, in talking with you is um, I, I've heard you give that presentation. I was part of a, a mastermind group for a short time that, that we, we talked about your book. You actually spoke to the group. So when, when you and I connected, I thought, well, yeah, of course, um, you're a great storyteller. So let's talk a little about the book, Clarity Wins. Um, I, I love what you say on your website at one point. I saw the line that you help people find their professional purpose. Mm-hmm. What does that look like for you? How does the book play into it? What it like, let's hear a little bit about your story and about clarity. Well, like most of us, uh, my career sort of went in a you know, pinball fashion. And so uh, I worked with two small companies doing sales, marketing, business development, some consulting. Uh, and this was all in the healthcare, uh, pharmaceutical life sciences field. And I started to gravitate toward branding, toward identity. Uh, and also I was significantly impacted by uh, the book, Now Discover Your Strengths and the Strengths Finder. Uh, assessment because up until that point I had been way overly conscious of trying to work on my weaknesses and that book gave me permission to really think about my strengths and to say look I need to run in my strengths not be all wired up about what I'm not that was absolutely groundbreaking for me personally but also has affected my whole way of looking at other individuals and businesses that we're gonna do our best work if we're in touch with our strengths, but a lot of times we don't know our strengths. We're too close, we're in the forest and the trees, and we need someone from the outside to tell us. So when I developed my own practice 13 years ago, went off on my own, part of that was working with small companies and really helping them get clarity on their strengths and therefore on their message. And I developed this process where in a half a day or a day, I could help these companies brand themselves. And it was phenomenal. I'd come into a company that had been in business 15 years and still had no clue really who they were. And just by asking questions and doing some analysis and some creative thinking, was able to say, here's your differentiator, here's your message. And the other book that was very significant in my thinking was Seth Godin's Purple Cow, Mm. where he talks about how to differentiate and stand out. And as you know, Seth Godin's all about effective marketing communications. So that became my thing, this whole idea of clarity. And then I realized talking to individuals that it's the same process. Mm. Figure out your strengths, figure out where you fit, what kind of company you would work in, what would be the ideal role. Career consulting is the same as branding for a company. 
so I began to do both of those, working with individuals, working with companies, and I developed a lot of these ideas through years of experience. And so this book was waiting to be born. I'd written most of it in the form of blog posts and presentations for yeah. years and years, but it was all over the place. And uh, finally, last year, I invested the time to put this together into a book. And, uh, and so it was launched. And uh, a book should not be undertaken lightly. I will say that. <laughs> Don't do it unless you're really passionate about what you're talking about. Right. Uh, so how, how did you take all of that world of blog articles, presentations, different forms of story and bring it in? Did you have to work with someone? Did you just kind of do it? Did you work 10 hours a day? How did that look for you? You know, it was, it was a struggle for me. I had two struggles about this book. Number one was I was very confused about how to go about it. I, the publishing world has been changing and evolving so fast. I was paralyzed. I'd been thinking about this book for years, but I, I could not decide how to go about it. I didn't know enough. I was, you know, paralysis by analysis. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was a problem. And the other problem was I had so much stuff, but I couldn't find the organizing principle. And uh, all of this was fixed in one trip to Boston when I was going up to visit with one of my pharma clients, but I also had set up a, a visit with Josh Burnoff, who's somebody I've known through social media for years, well-known author. And as I'm flying up, I finally got the outline. You know, you know how some stuff just takes time to process and process and process and process. And I'm sitting at this plane, I can still picture it. And there it was, there was the structure. I thought, oh my goodness, now I've got something. And so an hour later, I'm sitting with Josh, we're just meeting and talking. And I said, hey, you're an author, let me show you what I've come up with. And it turns out he's not only an author, he's an editor and a ghostwriter. And he's, he was willing to act as a Sherpa to help me through the process and make the decisions. But then also I contracted with him to be my editor and he's ruthless. It was wonderful. We had a great relationship. I wanted ruthless and man, we had a, we, we got along real well. Man. All right. I loved it. So I conceptualized the stuff, but he really helped me get it right. And it was that combination of his expertise on publishing, writing, and editing that finally got this thing born. So, so I, I hear you say a couple of things in there. It took some, some deep thinking and removal from the forest to see the trees, right? Um, so yeah. so that, that deep thinking, I have to think about this critical thinking, that kind of thing. Um, and also you, you call them a, a Sherpa, someone to walk alongside you and whether it's one person or maybe a group of people, right? Having those, those mentors that came before is, is kind of important then as a storyteller, huh? The mentors and the input from others. So uh, absolutely invaluable. Uh, over years, I've built a very large network, not only in the pharmaceutical industry where I still do a lot of work, but in the marketing and technology uh, and creative industries. Mm -hmm. And so there are a number of really smart people that I uh, have open doors with both ways. And the help I've gotten from others as uh, giving input and, and mentors and uh, people I can bounce ideas off of has been absolutely incredibly helpful over the years. So the development of this message has been quite iterative and has a number of fingerprints on it, not just mine and not just Josh's. Yeah. 
And the other thing I, I, I had to laugh because you said he was ruthless and it was wonderful. I thought, man, there again, I get that anxious feeling of don't tell me how bad my stuff is. Um, <laughs> how, is that natural for you? Or did you have to realize like, like I've come to realize I need that. How, how was that journey for you? Were you just ready for that critical talk? Part of it, part of it is family background. So okay. I am one of four boys hmm. and boys are ruthless. <laughs> and then my wife and I had five boys. So you have to have a thick skin if you're going to grow up with boys and bring up boys. Uh, so even though I do actually have a, a pretty sensitive nature, uh, I have learned that a thick skin is pretty important survival mechanism and that you can only make progress if people are willing to speak the truth to you. And also because I have a sarcastic sense of humor anyway, I found, I found Josh's ruthlessness funny. I really enjoyed it. In fact, I wrote a couple blog posts giving some of his you know, best comments. Like, boy, it would be nice if this thing had an ending to it, and, and that's how we would talk. And uh, you know, it, that's not for everybody, but I absolutely wanted it. I don't want anybody tiptoeing around. Just tell me what you think. So sarcasm that I have will, will help me someday, and my daughters maybe. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah why not? <laughs> So Steve, if, if some, so I want to go back to the, the idea of helping people find their professional purpose. If, if you were talking with a storyteller today and saying, look, you've got all these ideas, all these things, where would you, where would you start to help them begin down that clarity road? What would be kind of your first introduction? So my method in working with people and I, uh, people, individuals, I usually spend a half a day, companies, I spend a full day, but my method is the same. I spend the first portion of it asking for stories. This is where stories becomes really critical for me. And I, I not only talk about storytelling, I talk about story asking, which by the way, is the best networking secret in the world. If you know how to ask people for their story, you will become a great networker. So what I do with Clarity for the first hour or two is I ask story. I just say, tell me about this. And what I'm looking for is I'm asking for their success stories, their failure stories, how they got to where they are, what kind of work they really loved, what they hated, what company situations were good, what was bad. Uh, and because most of the people I work with are somewhere between 30 and 60, there's a work history there. And what I'm doing is mining the work history and trying to draw out the themes, the big themes of what their strengths are, what they like, what they don't like, where they've succeeded, where they have failed. And just by asking a lot of questions, inevitably, always, 100% of the time, the themes begin to pop out because I'm an objective observer. And often, and it's almost always 90 minutes in, for some reason, it's 90 minutes, and it's right after the first bathroom break. I don't know why that is, but I, have, I go to the bathroom and then stuff, it's like sitting in the plane and it all comes together. It's weird. But I'll say, you know what you're saying? What you're saying is, this is really you. And I'll just a few things and it's like oh yeah i'm not looking for what's the next job title i want to get to the wiring of the person i want to get to their dna and uh someone i was with yesterday that was part of the meeting uh in chicago uh she was talking about organizing the meeting and i could see instantly she was built just like my wife she was what i call a combobulator uh so discombobulation is chaos. 
the combobulator brings it all together. And it was plain as day to me that she was a combobulator the way she was wired. And it only took me minutes to figure that out. Uh, and then I told her that's what she is. That's her brand. She's a combobulator. And she went, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's awesome. So you bring all those things to the surface. And once you've got the DNA out, then you begin to say, all right, now what does a great role look like? What does a great direction look like? What does a great company look like? And instead of uh, conducting your career search based on what's out there that I could maybe fit into, it's what exactly is my puzzle piece? What's the shape? And what would be a great job for me? And then you proactively go into the market saying, this is what I'm looking for. You proactively tell your friends and colleagues, because most of the jobs are gonna come by referral anyway. You point, you paint the picture, say, this is exactly what I'm looking for, this kind of role, this kind of company, this kind of boss. And then it's much easier for people to refer you because you've painted the picture as opposed to just sort of uh, randomly guessing at what might be a good company or a good role. How often does that uh, personal branding turn into, instead of here's the, the kind of job, company and boss, how often does it turn into, you need to be on your own? <laughs> well, you know, it, it does and it doesn't. So sometimes the conclusion is you absolutely need to be part of a larger entity. You need to be part of a team. And one guy I did this with had gone out on his own. He had been part of large companies. He'd gone out on his own and he was miserable. He was a smart guy. He did good work. He was miserable. And as we talked it through, it was obvious he was not wired to be on his own as a solopreneur. Just not good for it, psychologically, emotionally, any of it. And so that changed his direction to look back at returning to a large company. Hmm. But then there are others that it's obvious this day, they got to get out of the machine, you know? Okay. And so then you start looking at, okay, let's, let's consider all these gifts and strengths and drives. How would that look if you were to start your own business? And for me, that's not theoretical because that's exactly what I did 13 years ago. When I designed my business, I custom crafted it around me. There was no guesswork. This is my role. Because I figured nobody else is going to make a role for me except me, right. so that's what I did. And man, that has that that just sounds so incredibly rewarding. So that's that's very cool. Um, what's even more rewarding for me, I, I, you know, it's not so much rewarding for me is that I did it for myself. I mean, that's fine, but to do it with somebody else to see yeah. their see the light come on, to see them realize that wait, I've got something special. I've really got something incredible here and I can go after it and then have them find it. That thrills me like nothing else. If I could just do that all day, every day, and someone would pay all the bills, right. I would love it because I just, there's no greater thrill for me than having somebody look in the mirror and say, Oh, now I see. Now I get it. It kind of feels like having the bird leave the nest, right? Yeah. Like, so yeah, that has to, man, incredible. Now, when you talked about story asking, Steve, what's your greatest tool as that listener to help understand all of that? Hmm, interesting. I'll tell you the tool I use. This will be the most useful thing for, for people out there in general. I'll tell you the way I do story asking, and it's very simple. 
So in any kind of networking situation, you're meeting somebody for the first time, maybe you're not naturally a, a great gabber. And I'm not, I'm an introvert. I am not an extrovert. I don't like unstructured social settings. I don't like noise. I get a little claustrophobic in big rooms, okay? Interesting. So uh, most people who don't know me that well from the past, who know me now, think I'm some kind of extrovert. I am absolutely not. So my tactic is to just get to know one or two people, not to try to work the crowd. I can't stand that. Mm -hmm. So here's I'll say, you know, Dan, your, your current title is, is this. And uh, obviously, when you graduated high school, that was not in the line of what you thought your future was going to be. Tell me how you got from there to here. Hmm. And then I just shut up and listen. Yeah. And as you know, people love to tell their story. Mm -hmm. And as people tell what I call the evolution or origin story, it leads to all kinds of other questions you can ask along the way. Well, why did you leave that company? Or how come you, you stayed five years there, but when you're here, or what was the, and it just keeps going. And what I find is typically nobody's asking people their story and they, they get so, then they suddenly go, hey, uh, wait a minute, tell me about you. Because nobody's ever spent the time, and you just listen, you just listen and ask questions. Mm -hmm. But it creates this reciprocity relationship. Now that you've invested time and interest in them, they want to get to know you better, not just in a superficial way. Mm -hmm. So that's the way I do it. I use that one little thing about, you know, how did you get from there to here? Almost everybody opens up about mm -hmm. that. But then beyond that, what I'm doing, and this is partly my wiring, I am always thinking and connecting the dots. I'm always trying to think, well, why that? Or how did that? And it's curiosity. It's a curiosity and analytical piece. But you don't have to be a psychologist to do that. You just kind of have to train yourself to ask questions. Uh, but for me, it's fascinating tracing how people got to places and why. I just, I groove on it. I find it really energizing. And then sometimes I can bring out as an outside person that just met them, I can say, well, it sounds like what you're saying is, is this, I'm doing a mini clarity session right there. And sometimes you can really provide insight for someone if you dig a little bit. Uh, so that's how I do it. I think we just found your podcast, Steve. Get people on the podcast say, well, How'd you get from there to here? And I'll just sit here like this and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's it for today. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, it, it's, it, and you're right. It's, it's incredible to think about how much people do like to hear, tell their story. And, and not necessarily in an egotistical or selfish way. It's just, it's part of who we are. And, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I love to tell my story, but I love to listen. You know, how did you get there? What did you do? Tell me about your family. What about your, your beliefs, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it is. It's absolutely incredible. <clears throat> and then that, I think for a lot of us that then can convert into telling their stories as well. I mean, I, yeah. I find myself after these interviews, these conversations and after reading books, quoting people saying things, well, you know, Douglas Burdett told me this, Seth Godin said that Steve Woodruff said this, like people are like, wait, you know, those people? Well, Sort of, but I just yeah. read a lot or listen a lot. <laughs> That's right. Well, you, you 
listened, talked, absorbed, read. So you know them in ways that most people don't. Mm -hmm. And no, you're not best buds from 30 years ago, but you've learned some things. You've thought about some things. You've analyzed some things. And, uh, and sometimes those things can really, really shape you. So uh, I, I just, I love, for an introvert, I really love talking to people, but one-on-one -on -one, uh, yeah. or in, in small groups where you can dig down and, and put pieces together, which to me is fascinating. Uh, but I want to encourage anybody that struggles with networking, that, and many people do, even if they're not introverts, you can get good at it if you ask two questions. Number one, the one we talked about, tell me your story. And then toward the end of the, of the time together, say, tell me what a great customer for you looks like so I can send you targeted referrals. Mm. Now, what is more important and helpful than that? That someone would want to send referrals? And if you ask that question at the close of a time together, you've just made a friend for life. Yeah. Because what better way to get business than referrals? And as you know, the subtitle of my book is Get Heard, Get Referred. Mm -hmm. Speaking with clarity and exchanging clear information so that we can remember and know is the secret to generating referrals. So clarity isn't just important in itself. It is crucial to the business of referrals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. And that's, I mean... Gosh, in in the relationship age, the information age, the conversational age that we're in right now, that's becoming more important again than it ever has been. Yeah, it is. So if you had said to me, uh, if I said to you, I met you and, and you said, yeah, I'm a podcaster. Okay, I could send you any one of a thousand people that would really be a bad match <laughs> for a right. podcaster. Right. But uh, so you told me something accurately. I'm a podcaster, but you didn't really paint the picture for me. Mm -hmm. If you said, here's what I do. Here's the theme of the podcast. And here are the types of people I interview. Now you have equipped me to refer. Mm -hmm. And that's the best thing we can do for our business is equip other people to make a targeted referral, but we first have to be clear on who and what that is. Mm -hmm. Steve, I want to go back to something we talked about at the, at the beginning of this. Um, you were talking about branding and how you've helped companies find branding. We talk about personal branding. I think a lot of people, like I know, I know at least for me, when I say I, I do marketing and branding, eyes kind of glaze over. I feel like so many people think branding is the, like the craft department or whatever, right? It's this- right woo woo thing or whatever at right? unicorns and rainbows <laughs> it, it really isn't and we, so we, we know that but what it what does branding mean to you? you mentioned clarity but like what does branding really come down to for you and how do you help people find that that's a that's a great question and for a while i struggled with for a while i called what i was doing brand therapy mm -hmm. uh and then i realized i will never own the concept or the word brand and what I was doing was almost like a step beneath branding or, or first, which was gaining clarity, not just, you know, coming up with a logo and a tagline and some other elements of a brand. I think clarity is foundational. Plus, clarity was a word that wasn't really being owned. So I decided I was going to own it, which I, I did about seven years ago. I started clarity, 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 everything clarity. Um, and that's my brand. And then uh, a couple of years ago on my Facebook timeline during my birthday, 
my friend Chris Brogan said, happy birthday to Steve Woodruff, the king of clarity. Mm -hmm. And I thought, ooh, now that's an interesting brand. Yeah. And uh, something in me didn't like the presumption that, and, the, and the kind of chutzpah wasn't, but something else, like, I mean, that is killer. So I, I took it and ran with it. And excellent branding is a crystallation of something that gets across and gets remembered quickly. So I could give you five bullet points and a white paper and a website about my philosophy of branding and marketing. But that's not helpful for you. You don't have the brain capacity for all of that, and it's not crystallized. If I say to you, well, they call me the king of clarity, and I help people with the first two moments of truth, with the two moments of truth, and I shut up. What I've done is I've planted something in your mind with a memory hook, king of clarity, and then I've talked about something intriguing. What are the two moments of truth? Mm-hmm. Well, the first moment of truth is the first 15 to 30 seconds when you meet someone, when you have a chance to actually answer that question. What do you do? I help people gain clarity so they know their direction, their strategy, their message. The second moment of truth is, has that become embedded so that three days later when they talk to someone that says, man, I'm confused. I don't know how to do my marketing brand. Well, there are a thousand branding consultants, but who do they remember? Mm. The king of clarity. Absolutely. And so crystallization, getting it down is the key to great branding and being transportable from one person to another. So it sounds like it's, it's less about font and colors and logo and more about your message, your DNA, as you called it earlier, and really understanding who you are in a way that's like, I hate the term elevator pitch, but, but truly I can tell you in a few seconds what I do. Yeah. And it intrigues you. Yeah. Elevator pitch is one of my terms I, I beat up all the time because I, uh, number one, nobody wants to be talked to in an elevator and number two, <laughs> nobody wants to be pitched. So I've replaced it with the term memory dart, which is an even shorter, more condensed version of an elevator pitch. And the best memory darts use uh, symbols. So I, I talk about in the book, uh, the use of statements, snippets, stories, and symbols. Symbols are the most powerful and the most crystallized. And that is an analogy or a word picture. So if I say king of clarity, I have already basically positioned myself as the top dog. If you are the Mercedes of storytellers, what you're doing is you're borrowing all that information about Mercedes and stealing it. Mm. High end, exclusive, top quality. So the most powerful thing any company, any brand, any individual can do is to distill down to something that is symbolic, that gets right through the brain and into the memory. And that beats logo and that beats, you know, colors and all that. And I, I appreciate great design. I love great design. Sure. But I think the tagline uh, and and the the condensed versions and the little stories that accompany it and the hashtags that show your your major themes, that's the essence of good branding. Mm. Good news for all the writers out there. Yeah, <laughs> you. And and it's it is funny because I I've found over the years. Tell me if if you found this too. As a writer over the years, sometimes the less I write, the better. A, a two word tagline can be much better than a 10 line, 10 word tagline. 
Correct. And yeah. it has to be very simple. So one of my favorites, uh, the, one of the favorite contrasts I have, and I bring this up in the book and I bring it up in my workshops, is the two big delivery companies that come to your door every day. So FedEx has this beautiful, simple, clear tagline, the world on time. What else do you need to know? They cover the world. They get it there on time. I absolutely love that. But every time I ask anybody what's on a UPS truck, nobody can answer the question. Besides the fact that it's brown and it has the UPS logo. But UPS has chosen to use two unbelievably obscure and forgettable phrases on their 120,000 moving billboards that go in front of a huge amount of the population every day and nobody remembers what the truck says. To me, that's the greatest marketing sin of all time. Yeah. We have two awful phrases. One, synchronizing the world of commerce. Okay. Now put on your common man hat. You're a regular guy. What the heck does that mean? And what does that do for me? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not looking to synchronize a world of commerce. Thank you very much. What that message is, it's to this 0.005% of executives of supply chain management that care about logistics. Now, it is a valid message, actually. It is what UPS does. But they should be aiming that message at that tiny group and for everybody else, give us a clear message that matters to me, like something about delivery, for instance, or something, something that matters to me. And then the other obscure phrase they use is worldwide services. Okay? Now, services, what does that mean? Yeah. It means anything, everything, nothing. It means whatever anybody wants it to mean. In other words, it's so obscure that it totally obfuscates their message. Now, worldwide, I get, but what are you talking about, services? Again, not speaking to the common person. And it just drives me crazy every time I see these trucks and I know that they are wasting millions of visual impressions every single day and I've never had anybody be able to tell me what's on the side of the UPS. Never. Yeah, not at all. And, he, and even just calling it worldwide, I, I don't really care about that. I want my packages on my doorstep. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. And these are the people that are seeing it. So it's not that their messages are wrong. It's that they're not well encapsulated for the people seeing it. They're not creating... They're losing the chance to create a positive image and impression and to gain memory space mm -hmm. because they're just obscure. Great point, Steve. I love that. As far as storytellers go, clarity, know your audience, know what you're saying, know your brand, know your DNA. That's man. Great stuff, Steve. How do you, how do you think, so, so you've been doing um, some podcast interviews lately uh, with your book. I've seen you on different podcasts, some of my friends and stuff. Um, how do you think as storytellers, we are able to get our message out today? You know, we're talking about UPS and FedEx and, and how we have these moving billboards. How are we supposed to do that though in, in today's day and age with so much going on? Well, the biggest challenge we all have, and this is how I open the book, is uh, that we are all up against the noise. Mm -hmm. So we are inundated with a tsunami 
of noise. People are spending up to 11 hours a day now in, in America, on average, in front of non-print media, basically in front of audio and screen. Uh, let's simplify that and just say screen time. So whether it's your working computer, whether it's your phone, we're competing with 11 hours of really interesting stuff. We're competing with Netflix. We're competing with network TV. We're competing with cats. We're competing with Facebook. That's our competition. So what we have to do is somehow rise above that. One way is effective storytelling. And one great way to do that is through audio or video. So podcasting through videos, because video is much more interactive than just pure writing. It's taking me a while. It has taken me a while to surrender to this because I'm a writer. I like writing. I, I just, but... I'm beginning to see now that as effective as, as good writing is, if we're gonna compete, we're gonna have to use multimedia, we're gonna have to use video in particular. Uh, my kids, uh, unlike me, I grew up, well, I'm a, I grew up with Encyclopedia Britannica for crying out loud, there was no <laughs> computer or anything. Amen. And then, uh, but once, once the internet really hit, I grew up on text-based searching, Google and, and this kind of stuff. Well, my kids grew up in YouTube, was where they would go. They, they didn't default to, to text-based stuff. They went right to YouTube. And at first I was kind of going, what's wrong with you people? And then I realized, no, that's actually very smart. That's, that's how you figure stuff out nowadays, this mm -hmm. video. So I think the best thing we can do, and if we can't do it ourselves, then we have to hire someone to help us to do it, is we have to master storytelling and we have to be so good at it and compelling and focused that we can be more interesting for our target group. Now, our target group isn't seven and a half billion people. We just have to define who we're after, make it interesting for them. I don't have to have the production values of the Olympic Games. I don't. I just have to define who, am I after, who I'm after and make it great for that little subgroup. And if we can do that, we're going to win because there's a lot of trash out there and people are going to find the valuable stuff and pass it on. Mm -hmm. Great advice. <clears throat> this has been fun, Steve. I'm, I am so glad we connected. Um, Me too. This is great. I'm going to, I'm going to get to my last question here in a second, but I want to make uh -oh, sure this is the surprise question. <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, but I want to make sure everybody before we get there has a chance to know where to find you. I'm going to include links in the show notes, but where do you direct people to find Steve Woodruff? So uh, my website is ClarityFuel, F-U-E-L dot com. Uh, on Facebook, I'm King of Clarity, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, Twitter, S. Woodruff. And uh, then the book, I created a short link to it directly to Amazon. So if somebody wants the book, it's ClarityWins.org, which will go right to the page and you can order uh, the soft cover or the e-version of the book right there. Perfect. And uh, yeah, great stuff. So go, if you need clarity, go get that and, and get in touch with Steve. So Steve, if, if somebody were to say to you tomorrow, you're all done being a storyteller, go find something else to do. What would your last story that you'd want to be able to go out on be? Ooh. Wow. That's a tough one. <laughs> 
<laughs> you mentioned you're going to ask a surprise question at the end and I could, I, you could either tell me in advance or let it be a surprise. And I said, I'll let it be a surprise. Maybe I should have asked one, but that was in advance. Um, hmm. I am, I honestly don't know. That is, that is, I have never thought of that before. Uh, and I'm not an off the cuff kind of guy that will just sort of throw anything out there just for the sake of, I don't know what I would do. Hard, right? <laughs> Honestly don't know. I guess the question is too, could you even do that? I mean, a storytelling is so much a part of who we are that even if you had to get out of speaking and writing and you were doing something totally different, digging ditches, you know, bartender or whatever, like storytelling is a part of that too, isn't it? Sure. Storytelling is part of everything. I mean, basically yeah. you'd have to cut my throat and then I'd stop telling stories. Right. But uh, storytelling is just woven into what we do. It's how, for the printing press, it was how humans communicated. And that's one reason why it's so powerful yeah. is that our brains are wired for story because that's how we learned. So there's really not going to be an end to it. If I was going to, if I was going to have to stop doing it professionally, uh, then, uh, you know, that would be one thing I could actually probably figure out something that would be a, a final chapter, although I still don't know what that is, <laughs> but I don't think I'd ever stop telling stories. Even if I tried, I don't yeah. think I could because yeah. we just do it. Absolutely. Perfect answer. Absolutely great, man. Steve, thank you so much for taking time to talk to the storytellers today. It was a pleasure. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Dan. So there you have it. What a conversation. Thank you so much, Steve Woodruff, for joining me on the Storytellers Network. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. You can connect with him at all those links that he mentioned and more in the show notes. And if you enjoyed today's episode and know someone that could benefit from hearing Steve's message of clarity, please consider sharing this episode with them personally. Share it on social media. Text it to somebody. Just tell someone. All that is very much appreciated. And if you really enjoyed the episode, go back to Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating and a review, a written review. Appreciate that very much. It helps us get the message out. And, uh, and hey, go to the storytellersnetwork.com for more information on past episodes on how to contact me if you have any questions. I love talking to people about their stories. So shoot me a note. All right. Hey, until next time, thank you for listening. And here's to telling our stories and having those stories to tell. Cheers. Mm-hmm.